Hey everyone, it's Carmita, and welcome to Missing in the PNW. If you are a new listener, thank you so much for checking out my podcast. And of course, shout out to all my returning listeners. And I have some great news for all of you. The social media post that I did uh, last week after Cynthia Martinez's episode has reached over 800 people and got over 100 post engagements. So thank you to everyone that has liked, subscribed, and shared the podcast, especially the social media posts, because you guys are helping to get these missing person cases out there and get them the attention that they need and deserve. So thank you again for that. Now today's episode is going to be a little different than my previous episodes. Because there is just so many twists and turns and possible coincidences that I literally went down so many different rabbit holes with this case, trying to find anything and everything I could. So excuse me if I get a little off track, but stay with me and I will tell you guys everything I found out and try to keep the pieces of the puzzle all together. So today we're going to discuss the missing person case of Graciela Garcia. Now, Graciela had two nicknames she went by. She went by either Gracie or Chella. She's a 49-year-old mother of four who lives in Hermiston, Oregon. She has three older children who are grown and live outside the home, but she does have a 14-year-old son that she shares custody with her ex-husband. And on Friday, November 8th, 2019, her son was staying with his father and she had plans to take dinner to him that evening. At around 7 p.m., Her son had received a text from Gracie and also two missed calls. But when he tried to call her back, the calls went to voicemail. Later, Gracie's husband had brought the food over to her son and told him that she had just went to bed early that night. The next day, that husband also told one of Gracie's daughters that she wasn't home. And she left, and he didn't know where she went. Now, when this reached another of Gracie's daughters named Gabby, Gabby kind of, like, freaked out. So Gabby lived about a half hour away in a neighboring town of Boardman, Oregon. And she said that she went over to her mom's place. Her mom's car was at home. And nothing in or around the house seemed to have been touched. Everything was in place. Nothing had been moved, which Gabby had said was odd, considering whenever their mother went out, she'd always have jewelry on or makeup. And all of this was still at home. Again, also, her car was at home. So how could she have gone somewhere? She also was a very well-known hairstylist in the area, and she had been in the industry for 14 years, and she actually owned and operated her own beauty salon, which she had recently relocated to run out of her home. She was also really close with her clients. 
Her daughter Gabby had said that the only things that they could tell which was missing was Gracie's ID, her passport, and a cell phone, which later they found out that that cell phone actually pinged at a tower around 12.30 a.m. that night, right as it was crossing over the bridge into Washington State. Now, at first, Gabby believed that maybe her mother was kidnapped or possibly tricked into going somewhere and then was taken, but Gabby was hit with her mother's disappearance especially hard because Gabby had said when she was just 10 years old, she wrote her mom a letter promising to always take care of her. She said that her mom loved that letter and would cry every time she read it and always told Gabby to remember that promise. Now, here's where things get a little bit crazy. So as I was doing research, I came across three, actually four, really interesting things. So... The first two are GoFundMe pages and a change.org petition. I will have links to both of these in the show notes. Also, I will have a link to an article that sums up what the Hermiston police had posted on their Facebook page in July 2020 which was about nine months after Gracie went missing. So let's start with the police post on the Facebook page. Again, I'm not going to read all of it, um, but I will have a link to the article um, called the Yaki Tri News Um, They did a really good job of kind of summarizing what it all said. So I will read some of that. Basically, it was saying that there was a lot of attention and a lot of miscommunication or misinformation circulating the case. So the police wanted to clear up a few things. Now, the police said that ever since Gracie was reported missing, which That right there, let me back up a little bit and tell you, is very interesting in itself because the husband was not the person that reported Gracie missing. So if he last seen her on November 8th or 9th, like he said, Gracie did not get reported missing until Monday, November 11th of 2019. And it was her daughters that reported her missing, not her husband. So the police said that ever since she was reported missing, they had considered her disappearance suspicious. They had a bunch of different number of resources. They said they got from the Oregon State Police, also consulted with the FBI, and they had resources there available. They said they were checking out frequent places that Gracie was known to travel. And they made two really big mentions, which one, 
They said that Gracie's husband had been cooperative, had provided DNA samples, and had his home and other property searched. Of course, they said that he did this on his own and he wasn't compelled to in any manner. And like I said, made a big deal to point that out. They also made a point to bring up this fundraiser. And I put that in loose air quotes. Fundraiser. Because what they're actually talking about is the GoFundMe that I will get to in a minute. So they had said that the GoFundMe was circulating on social media to hire private investigators and that they had no opinion on that and no opinion on whether any members of the community should donate. But they made it a huge point to say that any money that that GoFundMe gets will not benefit them or their department in investigating the case. And again, I will have a link to the GoFundMe if you want to go check it out, maybe donate, share it, whatever you can do. That will be in the show notes. And I will actually post that on social media as well when I post Gracie's pictures. Now, the other thing was there is a petition on change.org. The change.org petition said that... Although Gracie's husband was supposedly willing to cooperate, he had failed to polygraph tests. Now, if you aren't big into crime like me, you may not know that polygraph tests are used a lot and they can be a really good indication of things. However, they're not admissible in court. So a lot of times they're used in investigations just to kind of point the direction of where they should take that investigation. So the family was told not once, but twice, the polygraph results of her husband had came back inconclusive. And until I found this change.org petition, I actually never knew Gracie's husband's name. So his name is Quahotemoc Romero Sanchez. And I actually will have a picture of him and Gracie posted on social media. So they also named the detectives that were handling Gracie's case. The first detective is Victor Gutierrez. And then there's a lieutenant named Randy Studebaker. Now, they had said on the petition that these detectives were covering up for Gracie's husband because they were known to be friends and acquaintances. So I would definitely recommend also checking that out and just reading everything, sharing it if you could. Just wanted to get you guys' opinions and theories and thoughts on both of these things. The other really interesting thing that I came across in October 2020 which was 11 months after Gracie went missing, it was reported in the East Oregonian that there was a drive-by shooting with a man by the name of Cojotemoc Romero Sanchez. The cops were quick to not 
say, yes, this was Gracie's husband, but come on, guys, that is not a common name. So it's kind of hard to say that it wasn't. So Gracie, she's been missing since November 2019. It's been almost two years that her kids have not had her. She's described as five foot, four inches, 140 pounds. She is Hispanic and had dyed blonde hair. If you have any tips, you can, of course, submit anonymously. And you can call the Hermiston Police Department at 541-567-5519. I would also encourage you to comment to the family because the family is super involved. And what would you do if your mom went missing? I know if my mom went missing, all hell would break loose. I would go crazy. So I cannot even imagine what this family is going through. So again, please look out for Graciela Garcia. Thank you for listening this week. Next week, I will have a new episode. Thank you so much for getting these missing cases out there and getting the attention they deserve. I will talk to you next week, and remember, have fun, but be safe.